Welcome to Chew the Fat. In this series, I sit down with high-performance guests over their favorite meal, and we unpack lessons in life, in business, and what it takes to be at the top. This is all part of my journey to raise a million dollars by producing a cookbook called Eat With Purpose. Follow along on my Instagram, Frank Grief. I hope you enjoy. Yasser. That's me. Founder, global CEO of Tender Loving Care. Yes. Welcome to Chew the Fat. Thank you, thanks for having me. Today you said you wanted to have something seafood. Yes. So, my goal is to have the best tasting prawns you've ever had. So yeah. today we have chili garlic lemon prawns with a little wood fire bread. For the first part, it's always about me watching your reaction to see if you're lying to me or not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really good. Good? Really good. <laughs> oh, excellent. Really good. A little bit of context. Could you, I guess, summarize what Tender Love and Care does and is all about? Well, Tender Love and Care is, um, is an impact based business that runs um, eight different entities in eight different countries actually um, and it's the backbone of it is helping people and enhancing people's lives through um, success, successful and sustainable business. Um, so we, we created an ecosystem that um, in essence designed to deliver um, best outcome and give accessibility to people that are, that are vulnerable. Amazing and so I guess I've got so much to unpack with the, with the business side of things, but I'd love to understand, you know, you and I have spoken about this and it's something that blew me away, is I'd love to understand, I guess, the why. Because ultimately to, to take that leap from, from, you know, your standard commercial business into something that has deep impact and we'll be able to unpack more later, I would love to know what was the context that drove you to make that decision? The, there is there's a concept called a moment in the moment, right? And that concept um, I've learned to over, over the years. Um, and, and the idea of it is every person faces a moment in their life that changes completely their life if they pay attention to it. Mm -hmm. So we all face it. But some people would see, oh my God, that's sweet, that's beautiful. And then they walk away with their own life. What happened with me was completely different. I was in the corporate side of, um, of life. I was working into sales, marketing, business, you know, growing, um, very revenue focused, very um, income focused, and, and life was good. And the one day I, um, I had, and it's just something for me when I, I feel a bit down or things like that, I would catch a train, and I've always liked to monitor human behavior on the train. That's why I went, it was a meditation thing. So one, one of those days, I was having a, a moment where I needed to just be on my own and just go do that. I caught a train. And um, I'm just monitoring people. There was an elderly lady, and I remember her. She's, she's close to my heart. And um, she was crying. And she was literally sitting across from me. So I asked her, are you okay? Is everything okay? And that's what you would do. Um, expected nothing from it but a conversation. And then she started telling me her story, which was quite a very sad story um, around, you know, her, her kids and, and moving to nursing home or not and, and her house. It was just a bit of a sad story that she's very lonely. Mm. Um, and as the conversation went, um, she had some shopping, so I said, would you like me to help you? And then I just carried her bags, walked her to her house, went in, and the house was a bit messy. Not too messy, but it just needed a little bit of um, love to it. And um, so I offered, I said, you know, I'm happy to, to help you. I'll tidy up the house and clean it. And I went and did that actually in the fridge and had a bite to eat, had a, uh, a cup of tea with her. And we really enjoyed a, a nice time. And then I left and ever since for two and a half years, I've been going to her every Saturday doing the same thing. Wow. Just literally walking in, tidying up the house, um, going out shopping, having a bite to eat, you know, cooking some meals, and then I'd leave. But after she passed, 
Um, in my head for two and a half years, all I was thinking is I'm here to help someone not to be lonely. Mm. That is all I was thinking. I didn't think of anything else. But when, when she passed, I discovered that I was, it wasn't me helping her, it was her helping me. Didn't have a family here in terms of immediate family, parents, brothers, siblings, that kind of stuff. And so to me, she was the closest to a family. And I started realizing that me helping her, I was helping myself. It really changed my concept completely of how we can be vulnerable if we don't have people around us, how helping people makes you feel better and it makes you feel very um, valued to yourself. Um, so I decided to quit my job and, and um, I actually had a massive pay cut when I did that because I moved into the social um, services, which was mainly disability, that's what I did. And my income went to Cora from what I was earning back in those days. And it did hurt a little bit, of course. but it kept me going, That just feeling that I'm helping people. I look at people that I help and I was like, it just feels right. And that was a massive change of career. Um, and then um, I decided that if I'm helping people, I need to help them the best way I can. And to do that, I had to learn, uh, go back to uni and study um, social services. Um, I had to grow into my career because I can help more people by being a manager, by being um, a business person. And that was the shift into business itself. Wow. Um, that I, okay, if I need to help more people, I need to be more successful. I need to be running. Um, you know, an ecosystem that can deliver outcomes where I have a bit more control to help people. Amazing. That is very cool. Now, I'd love to go on a couple of those details. So, sure. so tell me, what was, what was the type of work you were doing uh, in terms of like, what was the role? Uh, yeah. um, and, then, and then, of course, we shifted into the business. So um, I took in the disability side of no, things? No, no, so prior. prior. So, so, so I just want to understand that juxtaposition <laughs> between what you were doing to the big jump into the, what you, you know, obviously what you grew. So I was in sales. Okay. Um, I worked in a, in a big um, furniture, I can mention the name. Of course, yeah. Yeah. So that's Nick Scardi Furniture. Yes, okay. And um, I was managing a couple of their um, initial stores and then went into the state management um, position offering. Mm -hmm. But I walked away at that time. Amazing. So um, it was it was more into heavy sales, heavy yeah. income, heavy commission-based type of job. Very cool. And what was I think? There's a lot of people, um, you know, the people in the audience who are thinking about doing that leap from, you know, from, you know, they have, in, in my opinion, the higher salary gets, the harder that leap becomes. So take me back to that moment in time. Is you know, you had this big purpose drive, but was there any times where you went, "Am I doing the right decision? Have I made the right decision?" Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so a lot of the times you'd question, okay, I'm started to struggle. I used to have the nice car. I used to have the comfortable financially mm. travel every year on a holiday for a couple of weeks. And then suddenly I started feeling, okay, that's a bit painful now. <laughs> you know, I can't do a lot of these things. But it all comes down to the purpose, why you did it in the first place. And if it's servicing that purpose. And you have to determine what makes you feel better. The reality of it is I was a lot more lonelier when I had the money, but I didn't have the, the, the helping side of things. Um, I've also was a lot more, um, not very satisfied about mm. myself for whatever reason. It's just, you know, sometimes everything is good. You're just not feeling 100%. Mm. Yeah. I was in that mood and I can tell you now I feel 100%. And yeah. I've been feeling 100% for a very long time since I started the move. You know, it just feels good when you go home and you've done, I've done everything I can to help someone well. Mm. You just feel different, mm. you know. 
but it also makes you realize in a lot of cases when you look at people that have a lot more struggles than you have in life in terms of health or other you start realizing you know what it's still not the worst mm. you know i'm not in the worst case scenario so even though you're you're shorter on income or or financials you're still not the, the worst case scenario so it gives okay. you perspective it gives you perspective it gives you satisfaction so it, it turns you back into it so if you give me money versus um satisfaction with myself mm. i take satisfaction with myself any any day um but the reality of it is when you pursue purpose if you're knowledgeable educated um have the right mentors behind you seeking improvement in yourself ambitious you end up delivering so the reality of it is I, I now I can tell you I'm very comfortably um, running a very successful business while helping people. Mm. Now I hate both. Now had I not made that shift, I not pursued uh, a career into it, I would have been potentially having the side of the financials, but I'm not sure if I really would have had the, the self satisfaction. Right. So sometimes you, you have to go back to go forward, mm. and that's what I did. I went back in the financial aspect. But I, I believe that I went forward and I think I had a, a jump start to my career by doing that. Amazing. And, and w you, you touched on something there which I think is really, really important. I guess firstly I'd love to know like what was that uh, roughly that age where you made that decision but then also what were those learnings that you had to go through from both yeah. the university learning, business learning, what did that actually look like um, tangibly? So, so well, I was 29. When I, made that, okay. when, when I made that call, I came to... Right now, so. Sorry? So you don't look a day over 30 right now. So oh, thank <laughs> you. No, I'm definitely <laughs> over, I'm over 40. Um, but um, it was 29 and I came to Australia 23. And from, from when I was 23, which was right after uni, um, till 29, I was just very heavy into sales yeah. and, and marketing and that side of things with Nick Scully. Um, and that was pretty much what I did. It was just focus on that. And there was an aspect to it where I came newly to, to Australia. I wanted to build a career. I wanted to have a family. I wanted to have a house. I wanted to have kids. So there was a motive behind it that is not wrong at all. Like There's nothing wrong with trying to pursue financial returns as long as through the right means. Yeah. Um, but I'm talking about now the self-satisfaction into giving. You know, sometimes giving others and helping others mm changes your, your perspective to the world and it changes you as a person and that's the moment in the moment we're talking about that responding to that moment to create a massive change in your life to deliver goodness and that will all ultimately return back to you mm. and being patient to go through the cycle because a lot of us are not really that patient right it's, we're looking at the immediate return yeah. but it, it doesn't work like that sustainable Growth doesn't come from immediate returns. It mm. comes from long-term planning into a pathway that delivers goodness and gives you back what, you, what you're looking for. Amazing. And, and what, what um, different education did you then have to go in post you launching the Tender Loving Care? Like what, what the things that you had to upskill yourself on, had to go places? Like what, what did you have to do? Plenty. <laughs> okay. So, so the, the concept is if you want to do something good, you have to really nail it, mm -hmm. right? So you can't just be passive about it. So for example, I mean, I came to Australia with an engineering degree, mm -hmm. right? So that's completely out of what I did. <laughs> um, and, but I started disability services, I did social services, I did masters, I did PhD, I did 
I'm a diploma, I'm a qualified accountant, and, you know. So all these things and everything at a certain stage. So I wasn't just going uni, uni, uni. I wasn't like just a nerd that loved reading books. So right? <laughs> it wasn't like that. It was part of my career progression. If I wanted to become something, I had to invest in myself. Sometimes people invest through having mentors, and that's great. Sometimes people do it through coaching, that's fantastic. And some people do it through all of that, including education, and that's what I did. Mm. It was very important for me to learn well, mm. to be good at what I did. Um, you know, it's a, it's a challenge that I had to get my English intact. You know, my jokes were so lame, Frank, when I first came. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to because it was all translated, all right? Yeah. So you had to adjust and adapt. And, and, and to be able to lead and people actually look up to you, it's a bit of work you have to mm. do. You, success doesn't come easy, you know. Um, people commonly look at the end result and sometimes they miss the journey. Yeah. Right? But it's the journey that what makes the end result. It's not that you don't just get born into it. Yeah. Well, some people do, but <laughs> commonly you don't, yes. you know. So reality speaking is you have to invest in yourself and education was a big piece of it. Um, my, in my career I went into government, I worked in government, non-government, private sectors. Um, and, I, and I just worked my way up having a lot of mentors. At, at the moment, till today I have a lot of mentors. Mm. Um, because you cannot stop learning. If you stop learning, you start dying. It's that simple. You know? Love it. And, and so you, you, t you touched on something there is those different jumps you had to do before you actually started Tender Loving Care. Yes. And so I guess the question I have for you is, what was the decision point for you? You've worked in government, you've worked in those different areas. What was the decision point to, to end that, you know, from a steady climbing career once again, yes. and then restart one more time to be able yes. to start the business? So um, when, I, when I first went into government, it was because I wanted to have a lot more influence into improving people's lives. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I did. I did that the best I could at the time. Um, but there was a shift between the state government funding into the disability sector to federal government. Mm -hmm. And in that shift, I felt that I could serve better by being outside in the private sector. Mm. So I did that. I did that move. We were asked at the time to move into, um, potentially go into the um, um, tender that was happening with federal government and other. And I chose not to do that. And I walked away and I, did, I worked in the private sector for a while. But I, as I was doing that, I felt to be suffocated. Firstly, I was working in a not-for-profit, which is a board and, and, and the, the, the motives behind um, growing a business in that sector is a bit trickier. Mm. And I've had all these ideas that can help people outside of government. Because I feel that the government would do everything they can, but it still would be limited. And if you really want to help people, you can't just always rely on government. Mm. You have to get creative with it. Um, I had the business knowledge, I had the mindset, I had the experience, I had the ambition. And I, so I had all the recipes for, for the success, plus determination. Mm. I just wanted to do good. I wanted to help people. And that, that was the motive behind the change. Mm. I can do it when I'm running a private business that I have an ultimate control into pursuing my ideas. And it wasn't just random stupid ideas. Mm. It was ideas that I went to a lot of my mentors that they stress tested it and challenged with, with me with it. And I, wrote it down, I said, I did my SWOT analysis, and is it going to work, is it not going to work, what are the risks? So it was a very educated approach. But I needed to have control to deliver creativity. And simple things like going international. How many disability services that you know that are international in Australia? I don't know any. There, there isn't any. 
the reality of it is there isn't any. We're the only ones that I know of anyway. Some tried, yeah. but it's not the way we do it. And why did I do it? Mm. You know, it, it, this is a very... A lot of people ask me that question. Why did you actually go to, to that? And the idea is I can give people with disability accessibility to different countries, which otherwise you couldn't. Mm. Um, working with governments at the moment to allow them to have accessible tourism so people... It helps them for economical reasons, mm -hmm. where people with disability can travel, but it also serves the purpose of allowing people to do that. Bringing the standards from other countries, mixing it up with the standards of the Australian standards, delivering the best of the best. Mm -hmm. So everything has a concept to it, but it goes outside of government now. Mm -hmm. So the government doesn't have to take responsibility for everything. We have also the social responsibility that we have to deliver. And if I can design a business model that can deliver that and generate revenue, so it's a sustainable business, then I'm on the win. And that's, that's why I did the whole shift, that I can, I can do that. Amazing. And, and, and bring me into some of the, those key challenges from, you know, there's a reason that often people go from their own country, they try, you know, another country, and they ultimately fail and retreat from that. Thank you. So bring me through some of those big lessons that you, maybe you weren't, you know, quite prepared for, for that global expansion. Yes. So first thing, you're not always right. <laughs> so, I don't know about so, that. <laughs> not you, not you. I'm talking about okay. <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, what, what I'm saying is that you can't be complacent yeah. and arrogant with your decisions, right? Because a lot of people say, I'm going to go there, I'm going to get it done. What have you done to stress test it, to make sure that this is the right decision? So you don't just jump into decisions, hey, I'm going to go international, hey, pack your bag and book a couple of grand tickets and fly out there. Yeah. That's not how it works. Mm. You do a lot of research first. Market segmentation, what's the best market? What are the target markets and when is the best time to access those markets? What are the contacts you have in these markets? Mm. You know, um, where are you going to start? Like you can't just go do everything. And yes. Plus, what we have in Australia is not the same as other countries. So how are you going to cater your services to the countries you're going in? So a bit of research has to happen, partnering sometimes. In the UK, we partner. So we don't just go as a tender loving care. We actually partner with another provider in there. And we go under their umbrella and we deliver a technology service that is brilliant. Mm. But if I could have done it on my own, but the hurdles and the challenges and the mm. learning and all this is completely mitigated by having a partnership. Yes. So it's being smart and savvy and not thinking that you've got it all figured out prior to actually sitting down and relying on knowledge and data. Mm. So that's, that's step one. Yep. You know, once you get that right, you will understand if it makes sense or it doesn't. Mm. If it makes sense, then you pursue it, you take it to the next level. If it doesn't make sense, you walk away. There are countries that we walked away from yes. in certain services, and it's because it didn't make sense. United States is one of them. Okay. So we were in the United States, and initially when we went, we wanted to do the whole suite of services. Mm -hmm. But when we did a full market analysis, we're like, it's not a niche there. And you, you, when you go to the United States, you're in 52 countries in one country. Yes. Right? <laughs> so when you do market segment, it took us a year and a half to make the decision. Wow. So it's not a rush decision. Mm. But a year and a half, because we try, every time we look into a model, it looks very different in another state. Mm. So we had to target which states we want to be in and what is the niche one. So there we only do mental health clinics. Mm. Because that was the niche there. There's a lot of drug abuse happening in the United yes. States. And people commonly, when they come of the journey, they end up with some mental health issues, depressions or other. So we found a niche there because a lot of the targeting happening in the United States, majority of it, is targeting the addiction itself. Mm. What we're targeting is post-addiction. Yes. 
what happens when people now go home, you, you're, not, you're not a drug addict anymore. What happens then, mm. right? Because that's when you start feeling a bit lonely, depressed, uh, a lot of judgment from the community that can sometimes impact that, create isolation, our social isolation. So we found a niche there, right? So that's what we do, and we do it really well. So we don't just jump on, we're very educated in our approach. And, and with, with that, so with, with, the, with the US, it's an awesome example, and so a part of the business I, I actually did not know about. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. part of this enjoyment for me is learning even more, Yasser. Um, with, with the US, and, and with that example, did you have to partner with someone there? Did you go into multiple states, or is it, you know, once you've made that clear decision, and now it's time to, I guess, almost test and measure your, your thinking, yeah. you know, what does it look like from day one to you know, how many years it's been now? So um, we definitely partnered. Um, and the reason, we, and what we partnered is, we, we got clinics that are quite reputable, mm -hmm. and they do the addiction, and then we okay. said, okay, we, now that you do the addiction, we're going to be the continuity of the care, and we will do the, the mental health side that comes from it. So they focus on addiction treatment and, and helping people with having tools and, and resilience tools to not go back to the addiction and that kind of stuff. Yep. We deal then with the depression, the mental health issues, the yeah, there's any schizophrenia, that kind of stuff. Yep. Um, that, and that's, that's the part that we then went in suicidal ideation. It's quite mm. common mm. in that space. So we deal with that part only, and then they do the addiction, and we complete each other. Okay, interesting. So, so, so one, like, the more I hear your story, Asa, the and the more, I guess, complexity that starts to <laughs> un unfold, the one, to your point before, around perspective, it brings a lot of perspective into my day, <laughs> which I appreciate. But number two is, for me, I, I try and I start to fill up this really big bucket around like what you what you would need to do for this global CEO role. And I think to bring it down to and make it tangible for everybody is like the reality is most people listening are not going to have big global expansions today. However, they're going to have their own business that feels like it's filling up their bucket. And so yes. my question is as follows. How do you prioritize your time to make sure you're creating the biggest effect now that you're in eight countries, now that it is so large? So the, the concept of cause and effect is very important for mm -hmm. Right? So, so I don't focus on the effect, I focus on the cause. So I go in the root cause of the organization, that what, what will make this organization strong? Mm. So I build up a very powerful, strong, trusted management team, executive team. And then I embed my values with them. So we, we hire based on values, we have to align in values and ambition and, and what we want to do. And then they start taking the organization and delivering my vision. Mm. And that's very important, the alignment of vision with everyone that works for you is key. Mm. Um, and that includes the global expansion. Um, why are we expanding globally? What is it delivering for us? Why are we in different businesses, not just disability? Mm. So bear in mind, we're in technology, we're in food and beverage, we're in travel. And when I say that to people, I get that question, like you're going all over the place. Actually, I'm not going all over the place at all, mm. because I have very clear vision. But what happened is, we applied blue ocean strategy, mm -hmm. right? Which is basically, how are you gonna be different, deliver different, feel different, look different, and become the missing piece in the puzzle, in, in the whole market. So everyone's doing something, yep. how can you complete the picture? And that's what we decided to do, blue ocean. You can see yeah. that. <laughs> Perfect, <I'm Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> So we decided to go the blue ocean side of things. Right? And, and what that means is, when I have, for example, the food and beverage company, 70% of our employees are people with disability. 70%. So it, it's, can I hire 70% in any business unless it's designed to deliver that? Mm. That it has 
um, a commercial outcome. So there is a revenue that can pay the wages because it's open employment, right? It's, mm. it's wages like you and I would get paid. Yes. So how can I do that? How can I make sure there's enough support into it? So it doesn't change the purpose at all. Yeah. But instead of relying on government revenue, I commercialized it. Yes. Found an item where people would be interested in. So the business model itself is looking at what's missing in the market. Yeah. And then think about it. You've got two glasses of water here. They're exactly the same. The quality is the same. But one of them would help people with disability to gain employment. The other one won't. Which one would you be keen to contribute? Of course, and that's a helps. simple contribution. You're not paying anything extra. Yeah. You're only just utilizing the product. Mm. That's it. And that's what we're trying to do here. Because it's a, it's a given. Most people will choose the impactful side of yes. things. And that's why impact is huge in business. Mm. And when we talk about impact investment, Frank, mm. I mean, we had a bit of a chat about that before. Impact investment is proven to return more return for businesses. So it's a good decision mm. that does good. Mm. And you look at all the larger um, organizations like McDonald's has a Ronald McDonald's house, mm. Woolworth has the Woolworth Foundation, Emirates Airline has the Emirates Foundation. It's all around impact, mm. correct? If you have good impact, it's good for business, mm. but it's also good for the community. It's a social responsibility that we all have. That's one of the things that I always tell businesses. And our business is very impact driven. Impact mm. comes first and then yeah. everything else follows. Amazing. And, and I want to drill into that one around the impact piece is like, because, you know, knowing where you are today and, and, you know, as everything's grown, I know there'd be lots of people coming to you for feedback and advice. And what, has there been any feedback and advice that you've given to people that you've seen from, you know, prior, maybe they didn't have any impact investment to today they do, that you've seen has actually fundamentally made a really big impact in just your, you know, in just your words? Plenty. I've got a, a friend of mine that has a, a quite a big um, restaurant chains mm. and he was never really hiring any people with disability mm. and now he's got people to be working um, for him. That's a big piece. Um, there is a, a concept that we're now discussing which is in the making mm. um, where having a dementia only restaurant. Wow. So all employees to be dementia. It's a model that happened in, in Japan, I'm pretty sure, and it went really powerful and beautiful because it's actually a beautiful concept. Wow. Because as, as a customer, mm. you're in there knowing that your order might come wrong mm. and you're okay with it. Wow. You might order prawns yeah. and end up with lobster. Yeah. Right? because it's about empowering and giving an opportunity for people and accepting the challenge. So you go in there, you order a meal, but you don't actually know what you're gonna get. <laughs> right? But there's beauty behind that. Yeah. Right? It's the support and the impact is great, yes. but also the acceptance. Mm. You're accepting that someone might have a struggle and yes. they don't do it deliberately and they're not doing it mm. to upset you, they just got it wrong, yeah. you know, for whatever reason. And it changes your perspective. So it's kind of, there's a conversation happening around that at the moment. And wow. I'm, I'm loving the concept. Um, another thing that we've done mm. and that is really powerful. So we opened a coffee shop completely funded by us and handed to clients and people with disability. So we don't make any profits out of it or anything. We just build it and, and we give it to them and then they run it as their own business. Wow. So now what we're creating is instead of taking taxpayers money, yep. and that's fine when people need it, but trying to create a platform for them to start actually paying tax and giving back and yes. earning living and, and contributing as equally. 
because a lot of people with disabilities actually want to contribute back, they just don't know how. Yes. Business are not really opened up to them. Um, we don't adjust the ways we do things to help them out yes. to succeed in the job that they, they offered. But small adjustments can change that. So we're taking initiative, we're now looking at a franchising model for that coffee shop. And it's purely for people to service people with disabilities to get employment um, and earning uh, and running their own business. That is incredible. So, so how... So talk to me about that, right? So that's so what you're saying, in, in essence, is part of the business, but not even part of the business because reality is it doesn't generate any revenue, but part of the impact that you're creating is you've created coffee shops, set them, help set them up, help set up the business strategy and model, and then given them over to people, the people with disabilities, to essentially go and run and continue. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, if, you come, if you come to my office, it's the coffee shop downstairs, and you can see it's run by people there, they get the money, we, we have no involvement. We only give them the place and, yeah. and the initial kickstart, yeah. and now they're flourishing. But when I say impact investment returns yeah. more, mm. it's because, now we've done an impact investment, there's no return for it yes. at all for the yeah. organization, or no direct return yes. for it. But what it does is, we are upholding our values. Mm. We are upholding our purpose through these initiatives because we need to tell people we don't just talk about it, mm. we do it, you know, because that's how you lead by example, that's how you become a leader. So when you are, if you ask me now, what do your competitors, I say no one. Mm. And why is that? Because our mindset shifted completely. We don't compete anymore. We're ahead. Mm. We're leading the way. We're disrupting the market. And if you just dig into our model, you'll find that it's never, never was done in that context before. Um, I had the other day another provider from Melbourne mm. um, called me, can I come and sit with you? And I said, absolutely. So the guy came in and I was like, I'm happy to collaborate, but I wasn't sure. And I was in Melbourne at the time. And, um, and he goes, I just heard about your coffee shop initiative and I want you to tell me how to do it because I want to do it. Amazing. So now we, we're leading the way and opening the door for more opportunities to come. And that's what exactly what we want to do. With that person doing it, it automatically means I succeeded in my mission. Yes. Now, when from a business perspective, when you see an organization that is upholding its values, upholding its purpose, and, and really wanting to do good, is that an organization you want to associate with? So it shifts the whole mindset. And from a business perspective, you get more people associated with you, more people willing to partner with you, then your business grows, ultimately. But stay to your lane where this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. It's a legacy building, it's helping people, it's changing and improving people's lives and opportunities and giving them accessible opportunities. Are we doing that? Yes. Have we finished? Not yet. <laughs> so that, that, that leads me beautifully to the next question I have for you, Yasser, and it is the following. If you look, you know, let's, let's fast forward, you know, 30-ish years from today, 30 to 40 years from today, you're between 70 and 80 years old and you're reflecting on your life and you're like, I am one happy man. What are you most proud of? Um, changing people's lives. I've changed a lot of people's lives mm. in disability, in aged care, in, in businesses. Mm. Um, I, I get a lot of joy with, with taking the challenges on and turning into success. Mm. You know, there's two types of people. There's people that work very hard, mm. very hard to um, and take the challenges as to generate energy. Right? So you wake up in the morning, I'm going to have this challenge, I'm going to have this thing, and mm -hmm. you just on it, on it, on it. And that gives you energy. Other people dispense energy mm. to, to get things done. And that's when you hear burnout or tired. And there's nothing wrong, it's, it's, it is what it is. 
I'm one of these guys that take energy out of those challenges. So when mm. I look back and I see, okay, I've had that challenge and it worked. Mm. This person needed support and I did and their life is better. This person had an addiction problem and they no longer have that problem or whatever, whatever, whatever. These things are the satisfying side of things. And at the same time, I'm running a successful business. I mean, two days ago, I received uh, a letter in the mail, literally two days ago, until Thursday. And I didn't know what to expect, right? So I opened it up and I get a letter from the parliament with, with one of the ministers acknowledging the work we've done. I had no idea. This is a, a very genuine acknowledgement that was not planned, discussed, talked about or anything like that. It just came in the mail. And the acknowledgement was, was for what? Because we were ahead. There's plenty of other people doing the work mm. we do in, in the area and in the, in the sector, but not the way we do it. Mm. Because we are doing it to deliver great outcomes outside of business. Yes. And that's the, the, the principle behind it. So it made me very happy. You know, mm. it just made me very happy. That's awesome. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. Um, okay. So, so it's, it's all about that continual impact. And, and I guess my question for you is, you, where we started was with that with that lovely older lady and, and the, the, the feeling that that gave you, seeing the impact in, in her life, but also the impact it gave you. Is there any other stories that you have, like one that pops straight into your mind around like something that your business has done that that person has come back to you and said, hey, this has fundamentally changed my life. Do you have anything? Absolutely. Because I imagine that would fill up your bucket very I have. much from your, <laughs> from your energy perspective. Um, just, just so you know, till today. Yes. I go down to my, I've got 1,100 staff in total. Wow. And I go to my service manager and I say, can you put me on shifts? I want to go help people. Mm. And I go on shifts and support people through till today. It wow. keeps me grounded and it keeps me appreciative to everything. Um, I don't have to do it. It's completely by choice. And that's the point of um, giving back. It doesn't have to stop ever by you growing in business. Or, you know, I have people like, are oh, you too busy? We, I know we, we don't want to hassle you. I'm like, no, come talk to me. Mm. I'm very, this is what I like. Mm. You know, the other part, I do it purely because it services the greatness. Yes. One day I was walking out of my office and passing by the customer key manager's um, office and one of our um, current staff members was sitting in there. And he had a very um, sad story. He has dwarfism and he was bullied, like he had no idea, he was hung on trees, like really badly. So he stayed at home for more than two and a half years, not leaving home because he's too worried to be bullied and things like that. I've actually got a video made for him if you check, you know, I, I can share it with you. Mm. But what, what he did is I heard him over here and said, you know, I, I don't want to be just being in programs, I want to do something and no one is allowing me. I want to work, I want to give back, I want to do something. And I heard that. So I walked in and I said, Billy, tell me, why do you want to do that? He goes, well, I deserve to earn my own living and, and be able to contribute back and no one giving me the opportunity because I'm, I've got dwarfism. Mm. And I said, okay, if I give you a job, you need to understand that I will treat you like everyone else. Mm. If you can do the job, you get the job. It doesn't matter if you're male, female, got a disability, what's your background, what's your belief system, it's irrelevant. Mm. If you can do the job, you do the job. So what job do you want? And he told me, he wanted to support people. I said, okay, you've got six months probation like everyone else. You want to be treated like everyone else, and that's the right thing to do, mm. I'm going to do that. Six months probation, if you don't do the job, you're out. If you do the job, you're in. That's three years ago still with us. Wow. Right? So, and he came up to me, he goes, yes, yeah, I, I want to tell my story. Can you help me doing that? Because this has uh, changed my life. So we, did, we have a video for him 
upon his re his request. It wasn't a marketing video. Mm -hmm. We don't market on these things, by yeah. the way. These things for us, it's a, it feels good to good stories yes. that we don't capitalize on at all. But he chose and asked for it. He said, can I tell my story? And I called my marketing team and I said, video what he wants to tell and don't change anything. Don't tell him what to say, just let him say. And he was, he said it actually, um, it changed his life completely. He's out, confident, working, supporting people. Um, just complete change in, in his life at the moment. Wow. And he co-presents with me when we go to, a, we've done a conference called Power to the People, mm. and him and I presented together his story. So, Amazing. Yeah. And how does it make you feel when you think about that? Um, that I am living up to my values, and not everyone can sit back and say, I could do that. A lot of people want to do good, mm. but they, they don't for whatever reason. Mm. Um, not many people can have a job that gives them satisfaction, give them um, income, give them um, status, give them everything while they're giving back. And, and I'm lucky in a way that I'm in a position that I can do all of that. That's so cool. And, 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 and I guess the reverse of that, is, you know, what does that make you feel? Is like, what are you most afraid of? It's a very, very deep question. I, don't, I, don't, I never thought of it. What am I most afraid Look, if, the biggest thing that I, that I always have a concern with is um, am I going to be able to do that and deliver it in the best way I can till I'm like 100, you know? Um, I love what I'm doing mm. and I really, really enjoy every day of it. I don't, when we have a tough day and Laura, my Australian CEO, she would call me like, yes, we're having this tough day. I'm like, it's going to be a beautiful day. If we have a tough day, it's a beautiful day because tough days means that you've got a challenge and if you fix that challenge, it means you fix, improve someone's life. Because remember, everything we do is about someone's life being better. So if there's a challenge and we fix it, we improve someone's life. So I would say that's it. I haven't thought of fears. I don't, I don't particularly think of the negatives in general. So I can't say I'm worried about this or worried about that. I'm just in my lane and I, I know exactly where I'm going. I know exactly what I need to do. And I'm just at it. And I'm not going to stop until I, I say that I've done everything I can um, to help people. Amazing. I guess the last question I have for you guys is, is, is there anything we haven't spoken about? Is there any question I haven't yet asked you? <laughs> um, no, not really. Um, you've, you've dug into the, the, the history of the business. You've dug into um, me as a person. Um, so no, I'm, I'm happy with what we shared. If, you know, I, I always say, it's a, it's a statement that I always say, one hand can clap. Mm. Right? I can't do it on my own. I need my team behind me. TLC cannot do it on its own. It needs partners to do it with us. Um, because one hand can clap. So we all have to keep um, at it. And, and remember the value of mentorship. Mentorship is so powerful. If anyone in business wants to grow, mm. um, you have to find the right mentors. Advices don't always cut it because advice doesn't come from track record experiences. Mentorship does. Mm. So when you talk to people that, to guide you through the journey, my personal view about it is find people that have done it before because that minimizes your chances of, um, of error making um, and increase your chances of success. And that's, that's ultimately what we all want to achieve. So that's, that's my final words, I would say. Awesome. Thank you very much, sir. Appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Frank. Always Cheers. a pleasure. Always a pleasure.